Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. BJ Howe's Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Terrigal Basketball Stadium or Breakers Indoor Sports Stadium. And we've been here before, but Buttes, what a great idea on this soggy Saturday on the Central Coast. You're a genius, my friend. Good morning. Uh, I've been caught a lot worse, but yeah, it was a stroke of genius. I did look at the forecast and realise that we're going to get pretty damp if we're anywhere else. But thankfully, we're under cover here at the uh, Breakers Basketball Centre. And what a centre it is. Got a couple of little juniors out there going to be... Uh, Strutting their stuff, I think, out on the court. And uh, what a big week we've had in sports, Steve-O. Yeah, yeah we're, we're just about to go to the head coach of the Central Coast Mar- Mariners. Let me just grab this mic because Ian Rebilly at OAM is in the house. And uh, does Buttes look like he's cramming for an exam? He does. <laughs> and he will pass with flying colours, Steve-O. Uh, open book test, mate. <laughs> open book test. Hey, it's great to see you. Uh, at the moment, directly in front of us, uh, it looks like the tiny tots... They've all got their names on the back of their singlets. And, uh, you know, it's just a sight to behold. And there's rep trials coming up. Yeah, so uh, what, what you're watching now is Aussie Hoops. So uh, under the tutelage of uh, Kili Akamamoy, so they've got a great coach straight away. And then following that, you've got the under-12s and under-18 rep trials here today. So big day at the uh, stadium. Yeah, and look at the smiles in their faces. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Uh, Moose, do you remember being at this age? And, like, I mean... It's learning the basics and it's learning to love the game. Well, it's pretty simple. If you enjoy something, you're gonna, get, you know, you're gonna do it well. And uh, Oz, the Aussie Hoops program is about learning basic skills in a fun environment. And I don't think they could have a better coach than Killy, because he knows how to have a good time. I yeah. think uh, just that question about Moose. Do you remember those days? I, I, I guess uh, did the... I bypass that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> my memory's quite good, <laughs> but that would have been probably over 55 years ago, Butte, so uh, I'd say yes. Hey, uh, we're about to go to the Mariners head coach who's waiting patiently on the line. Before we do go to Nick Montgomery, Butte, I think you'll enjoy this. This is uh, some audio from last Sunday afternoon in the 54th F3 Derby. Let's have a listen. In derby number 54. German, stand by. So the Mariners have poached it. Here goes Urania to Nisbet. Yeah! Get in there. Mariners open the scoring. And look at them celebrate. Corner kick on the left-hand side. Cy Goddard. Enkololo was an option, but that's ignored. It's whipped. Yes! It's Jacob Jacob Farrell. Get in. What a debut, what a header. That is incredible. What a goal to the Central Coast Mariners. Young man on debut. (laughs) Spectacular stuff here at McDonald Jones Stadium. And thank you to the team at SEN. What a, you know what, how good were those commentators? Who was that? Was that Steve Allen and Adam Kwasnick at their very best? And what I did love about it, Steve, two young boys, two locals, come up and stood up and and young Jacob Farrell on debut getting the job done. 
Yeah, and uh, Quaz at his absolute best. Uh, <laughs> Screaming and yelling. Yeah, and that's what it's all about. Yep. Uh, the SEN commentary, it's all about passion. Uh, tonight, I'll be, uh, I'm lucky enough to be calling the Sydney FC match. But before that, Nick Montgomery, his second match as head coach in the A-League up against the Wellington Phoenix. Monty, good morning from Wollongong this morning. And have you got similar conditions down there? Is it driving rain and strong winds? Morning, guys. Yeah, look, the weather's uh, been quite British the last couple of weeks. So, obviously, anyone knows the stadium down here. It's a beautiful stadium, but it's right on the seafront. So, no doubt there's going to be some gusty winds and, and rain coming in. But, yeah, perfect conditions for, for a game of soccer, football. <laughs> Monty, what a, uh, you would have heard that uh, uh, footage there or the, uh, the sound drop from the game last weekend, mate. I dare say your reaction would have been pretty similar to Quaz's um, <laughs> because they were two great goals and, and what a way to start the season. Yeah, well, that's the first time I've heard that commentary there. But, look, I'm glad uh, I'm glad everybody enjoyed the derby and it sounds like Stephen and Quaz have got right into the uh, celebrations there. Nizzy scoring his first goal and, and obviously young Jacob Farrell as well, another local product um, popping up with what proved to be the winner. So, yeah, I was, I was quite calm and collected on, on the touchline. Um, I think... We more than deserved the three points and, and you know, watching the game back again, we should have finished the game off way before we conceded that late goal and all the drama and excitement. But I think that's what derbies are about and I think it was definitely a, a good game for anyone to watch. Nick, you've been coaching for a couple of years now, but was there anything different about your first uh, game as head coach in the A-League? Yeah, probably uh, saying to myself before the game, uh, watch, <laughs> watch your language. My mum was still around. She'd have been saying the same thing and yeah, and obviously a lot more uh, uh, cameras and, and, and microphones knocking around, so it's something like that you've got to be conscious with. And, and yeah, to be honest, I was uh, I was pretty calm during the game and, yeah, just really enjoyed it. Obviously, I'd, we had the FFA Cup game, which was my first sort of game as head coach, but uh, to, to kick off the A-League with a, with, a, with a win at Newcastle and the F3 derby was, you know, it was a fantastic feeling. Mate, Bernie Coach, 1-0, it's a pretty good record. You could actually walk away now and go, I'm done. But uh, yeah, you get I've to take on... about doing that, Butte. <laughs> yeah. uh, but mate, you get to take on the Phoenix down in Wollongong, mate. Um, what's the uh, what's the expectation taken on these guys? Yeah, look, it's going to be complete opposite to Newcastle Jets. You know, on the tactical analysis side of it, they don't expose themselves. They sit in a tight block. They're very uh, well structured, organised, defensive, and they look to catch you on on, on moments on counter attack. So. Look, it's like I said, it's going to be different. We've got to be a little bit more patient. I don't think it's going to be end-to-end like the, the Jets game was at times. Um, but, yeah, look, we're coming down here full of confidence and, and we're coming down here to, to try and get three points. So, uh, looking forward to the game. And, and like I said, you know, wind stadium, beautiful stadium, nice and wet. Um, looking at the pitch now, it's nice and green and they're just uh, doing the lines on the pitch. So, yeah, really looking forward to it, Dukes. Nick, do the players do anything this morning or is it simply a, a rest morning? Is there like a, a captain's run at all, a walk through the city? What do you do with you know, around about six hours away from game time? Oh, look, the boys have been up for breakfast and then they'll go back to the rooms, relax, watch TV. They're, they're more than happy to go for a, a walk and have a coffee if that's what they want to do. But you know, I think game day is for them and, and look, we'll have pre-match and lunch, and we'll just go through a couple of things, um, uh, be- you know, before we get to the stadium. Then once we get to the stadium, you know, the boys are going to prepare. We'll, we'll have everything prepared and and ready to go. So yeah, I mean, six hours it seems to go pretty quickly when you're knocking around the hotel, and, and yeah, so it's it's not too far away. And then we'll be back to the central coast tonight.
What was your analysis of the Knicks in round one? They had a draw against MacArthur and they, they led 1-0. Piscopo brought down just inside the box and the penalty converted by Hooper. They've lost a couple of players, as you told me yesterday, for NBN TV, but certainly a dangerous team and unpredictable team as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I stayed there with Sergio, my assistant, after after our game last week and watched the game in Again, testing conditions, but yeah, I didn't see anything different than, than what we, you know, but what we know about them. They have got some, you know, they have got some good players and in, in, in that front third. And yeah, they've lost a few, but we lost like, ten players. We've got ten new players this year that have come into the squad. So I think most teams, bar maybe Sydney FC, who seem to stay quite consistent every year, um, there's been a lot of change. So look, it's a new season, um, and 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 yeah, I can say every team's dangerous if you allow them to play. So you know, I think we play our game and. and Stick to our game plan, and if we do that, I think we'll get a chance of, of, of winning any game of football. Uh, Monty, I've got to say, mate, I look at the stats from the game last week, and and everything goes against you, yeah. right? The shots on goal, shots on target were even. That was the only one. But possession was basically 70-30. Uh, and, you know, when you look at that and consider all those things, um, it was a great performance for the boys to be able to hang in there. And I guess what it does prove is it's not – how often you've got the ball, but it's what you do with it when you do have it. Yeah, look, well, to be honest, mate, I'm not one for, for them sort of stats. Possessions never won a game of football and, and neither has names on a sheet of paper. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of that possession, I think the first half is pretty even. You know, we're away from home, they, you know, the Jets piled bodies forward. We took a lot of risks and we knew at times that we, you know, we have to be patient. And on the counter-attack, you know, I think we could have more than finished the game off and it could have been very comfortable. So, I think when you look at the stats, shots, shots on target, you know, um, you know, tackles. I think there's a seventy percent tackle win rate, and, and like I said, possession, moving the ball around in areas that's, that's you know, not not going to hurt us. That's something I've never, you know, never even, never even bothered about as a player and, and as a coach. It's, it's a stat that people like talking about, but there's only one stat that matters, Butes, and, and and you know that it's, it's about three points and, 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 and who scores more goals than the opposition. So again, it's not something to get carried away with, and some teams like possession. Other teams like to like to defend, like you know, and, and, and sit in a deep block, which Wellington will do today. Um, so yeah, every every week's different, and and you know, I think that after they scored the goal last week, we sort of sat back as we naturally do and and defend the lead. And I think that that's where the possession stat went went up quite significantly. But but when you're protecting the lead, you know, that that's what happens. And you know, we, we saw the game out, and the boys showed resilience, and and delighted to get away with with what I thought was a well-deserved three points. Uh, Nick, was there someone that surprised you in the opening game against the Jets? Was it, I mean, did Jacob Farrell exceed your expectations about how well he can play? Was it Max Ballard who had that Gianni Stensness role from last year? Was it Cy Goddard who made his A-League debut and, you know, uh, as you heard in the commentary, put a beautiful ball in for Jacob Farrell to score? Was there someone that exceeded your expectations in round one? No. I all think, you know, I know what to expect from them and what I do know is we can get a lot better and everyone can improve, you know. Um, Jacob Fowler's first game, the side Goddard, to be honest, we had to make a late change. He'd not trained for three weeks due to a little hamstring strain, but when Matt Simon pulled out in the morning, I had no hesitation in, in throwing him in from the start and I just said, give me what you got and, you know, he thought it might have been 45 minutes he managed, he managed in uh, 65-70 and, and put the ball in. Set piece-wise, he's got a Outstanding delivery from from wide areas and set pieces. So, nah, not really. No, no one exceeded my expectation. I expected to go there and and get three points, and, and I was more than confident we'd do that. But like I said, there's a lot of improvement from everybody, and 
everybody, every team in New South Wales and Victoria didn't have many games pre-season. So I think it's going to take a couple of weeks before, you know, their main league teams really, really get that momentum going. But you know, at the start of it, it's about sticking to our game plan and, and trying to win the game. And, and yeah, we'll do the same again today. We're talking to Nick Montgomery, Mariners head coach. Uh, Monty, just a few more questions. We know you've got a busy day. Uh, I saw last night John Aloisi got his first win in the A-League uh, on his return. Western United, it was scrappy, but 1-0 uh, winners against Perth Glory. A lot of talk on social media uh, during and after the game about no Daniel Sturridge, and it doesn't look like he'll play anytime soon. But did you see that match, and what were your thoughts? Yeah, I saw that, yeah. I agree with what you said. It's quite scrappy at times, and um, I think any team could have nicked it in the end. But, yeah, I mean, the goal was a little bit uh, crazy. It crossed the line, hit the post, and, and then it's happened. So, look, it's, like I said, it's uh, you know not many, not many games pre-season for most teams, and everyone expecting to see Daniel Sturridge, but so it's going to take time to adapt, and maybe he's uh, not found his right hair just yet. I don't know if you saw the tweet on social media. Someone showed me. Um, I think he's still looking for a hairdresser in Perth, but anyway, um, no doubt he'll uh, no doubt he'll, he'll get himself fit and he'll be a, you know be a fantastic addition to the A League. Hey Nick, uh, such a pleasure to have you on our show on Game Day, my friend. Uh, well done on the win in the derby last week. Good luck against the Knicks later on this afternoon. And I think uh, all of us here at uh, Breakers Indoor Sports Stadium giving you a uh, standing O, the brand new head coach <laughs> of the Central Coast Mariners, leading the table. We're sitting on top of the table. Uh, can, I, can I just tell you too, Nick, Butte isn't standing. I said standing O. Well, mate, I've got my laptop on my thing, on my lap. I'll stand up now. There we go. Yes, there we, go. there we go. Technically a standing O no, from yep, Michael okay. Butner. <laughs> good luck this afternoon, <laughs> mate. Thanks right. for your time. Cheers, guys. Have a good day. Yeah, Nick Montgomery from the Central Coast Mariners. We'll take a quick commercial break here live from Breakers. You can hear the noise in the background. The tiny tots, the Aussie hoops. Uh, how many buttes? Probably around 50 or 60 at this early stage. Plenty but running around. A little bit uh, later on today, there'll be rep trials as well. And, of course, there's a brand-new format with the elite competition. Really looking forward to this. It'll go up and down the East Coast, and the best of the best will play each other. Moose Rebilia will tell us more in a few moments. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. And we're back live at uh, Breakers Indoor Sports Stadium in Terrigal. Nice and snug and warm on this Saturday morning. Can you believe the weather we've had in the last week? What's it called, Buttes? Is it El Nino? Something like that. Some Spanish name. Nino, Nina. Something. Whatever it is, it's wet. Yeah, I tell you, uh, I think, what, between 50 and 100 mils, and it's up and down the east coast at the moment. So if you're out on the roads, take it easy, and, uh, you know, maybe only if it's imperative, uh, jump on the roads, because I know that there's definitely some local flooding. So take it easy, turn the lights on, and only go out if it's absolutely essential. Well, we're live from Breakers Indoor Sports Stadium and just loving what we're seeing at the moment. The tiny tots in action. And one of the legends of the game in Australia joining us, former Sydney Kings player, former Sydney Kings coach, Ian Rebilliard, OAM. Good morning to you once again, mate. And what a week in basketball, particularly at the NBA level with LeBron ejected for just the second time in his stellar 19-year career against the Pistons. Yeah, nice to be here, Steve. And uh, when you watch that incident with LeBron against Detroit, you know, it takes you back to the Detroit bad old days. <laughs> um, but... Uh, 
I thought poor officiating, to be honest, because they didn't pick up the reason for the incident. And uh, LeBron flung his arm because he was being held, and uh, that was the start of it. Uh, ejected for two games, but more importantly, a, a 400 odd thousand dollar fine. It quite, certainly quite w- remarkable. It certainly wasn't the end of it because the way that is it Isaiah Stewart, Steve-O? the player that uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, mate, the way he carried on was ridiculous. Like seriously, you get a little slap in the face, and I know it cut him, and he was had a little bit of blood and all those things, but. Seriously, come on. I think you call that just professional sport, don't you? It's just part and parcel of the game. Well, is that what we call showmanship now? Because, well, my goodness. Well, you guys had a great conversation off the air about, uh, you know, it's similar to the in the NRL, like that third man in or, you know. Uh, what LeBron did, I mean, it was just... And I think that, you know, there's been so many comments since. I mean, like, he did get cut. But in your opinion, Moose, like uh, you're, you're the man that played hundreds of games in this league and represented Australia. Yeah, I mean, it, it's part of the game. So Isaiah Stewart was actually holding him. So LeBron, really, the only option he had to free his arms to be a catch receiver w- was to f- fly his arms. And uh, it caught him, yeah. But, you know, the bottom line is, don't hold me and it doesn't happen. So that's why I thought it was just poor officiating. And typically at this level, it's often the second incident that gets caught because there's a reaction yes and then yep. then you know it blows up and uh, they review it but even with the review they didn't it not well I guess they did because he got he got suspended as well but uh, you know it, it just could have been dealt with far easier if the referees just blew the foul had a quick chat to him and say look keep your hands off him so he, his ability to catch the ball isn't in, in fe- interfered with so yeah, I thought not really good officiating, and as Butte said, it just blew up from there. And it was quite good theatre, I suppose, to watch. Oh, but it was uh, chaos, <laughs> absolute chaos. Hey, uh, Moose, I know, I know you want to talk about Josh Giddy. Can you believe he's become only the third teenager to reach 100 assists and 100 rebounds in their first 20 NBA games? And he also had 19 points in their loss to the Jazz. Yeah, quite remarkable. And his shooting, I think he was three from four from from deep. And he's not really renowned for that, but uh, he's renowned as a a point guard that has exceptional vision. Hence why he's leading, you know, the assist count as a young... I mean, he's 19, for goodness sake. So the the social media that he's receiving is quite extraordinary in terms of just the potential, how good he is. I mean, he was the sixth pick uh, in the draft. And uh, I, I played against his dad, Warwick, and he would be exceptionally proud of how his son's playing. Refresh our memory. Did you see him coming through the ranks at a junior level? No, I didn't. Uh, my, my children had obviously gone through uh, representative stuff, but he, he's a Victorian metropolitan uh, boy. He would have come through the Vic Metro rep sides and uh, clearly on the radar for a long time. And uh, Connor Henry, who I coach with at Adelaide, certainly saw that and... Uh, uh, recruited him to the 36ers for his NBL debut. It's phenomenal as a 19-year-old because obviously you think about the normal transition for NBA players is to go, they got the high school, then they the college system, and then they step into. But as a 19-year-old to be dominating the way he is at the moment, or not dominating, but performing, I guess you could also say that he is dominating because the stats indicate that. Well, the stats don't lie. Um, it's slightly different how they would uh, do the stats with the NBA, but he's putting up some brilliant numbers. And the other number that probably they didn't see coming is just the number of rebounds he gets. And that's that's uh, technically a good skill that he has. He's able to box out and, and he's got good length. 
So the rebounding ability from a point guard is just an added bonus to any team. I remember seeing on uh, The Last Dance and Rodman talking about the skill of rebounding and how there is an actual art to it and identifying, you know, the ball in the air, it coming off the ring and all those things that come into it, which sort of made me realise, you know, was it a little bit of luck? But no, there's actually a skill to it. Yeah, we used to talk about uh, when the ball's in flight, what do you look at? Well, you, you, look, you look at the trajectory of the ball. Mm-hmm. That'll tell you where it's going to land on the ring or the backboard. But then your next vision has to be on who do you make contact with to stop them getting an offensive rebound. To actually train that, and that probably starts here at Aussie Hoops and in the reps, rep programs, it's really hard skill to learn. Yeah, yeah. But if you're introduced to it correctly at a young age, it becomes second nature. And uh, Steve O's Paddy Mills had a big weekend oh. or a big game against the... Uh, have you got the numbers there? Celtics, I, I do. I, I mentioned earlier, it's like you're cramming for year oh, 12 mate. exams. Here I go. The LGC. 23 points, two assists, one rebound, but seven out of ten from the three-point line. He is absolutely on fire at the moment. He's uh, second to uh, Steph Curry for three-pointers. And, and how this well guy they, comes from the bench. How well are they playing Golden State? Yeah, quite well, and that's being led by Curry. But, uh, I mean, Mills was always a great shooter, and he's coming off the bench for Brooklyn, so... You know, those numbers are, well, that's why he's there. And uh, he's just following on from his Olympic campaign and how well he played there. He's, he's obviously doing it for, for Brooklyn as well. Hey, got, hey Moose, we're going to have some of the uh, Crusaders coaches join us a little later in the morning. Can you tell us who's in charge of the program? Yeah, well, the, the uh, NBL1 teams, uh, they're trialling today and tomorrow from what I understand. So person that I, I actually helped transition into the coaching ranks is Will Granger, a young 29-year-old, is the head coach of the men's side. And just last week, the, uh, the club here appointed Mikko van Luders as the uh, head coach of the women's program, but also announced uh, Nico as the um, uh, director of coaching here mm. to put some strategies in place. So what you're seeing here with the young uh, Aussie Hoops kids, they'll come into under-12s and then they'll be in a structured format right through juniors into the senior program. Hey, Butes, did I rudely interrupt? Were you going to say something else about the NBA? No, no, it's all good, mate. No worries. You, you never rudely interrupt, mate. You, mate so, occasionally steal my thunder, but you never rudely interrupt. <laughs> hey, uh, what about the NBL Blitz? We've been watching that. I think the Kings are back in action mm. tonight. And we also saw... A young man who's played here that we've all had a lot to do with, Jaden Hodgson, has got a run with the Sydney Kings. Yeah, I saw that, and it's good for Jaden. You know, he's really pursuing that, that career. But also uh, another athlete from here, Matt Kenyon, is playing for the, <laughs> I've got to get this name right, the Tasmanian <laughs> Jack Jumpers. I think that's a poisonous ant or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're going to be a great franchise. What are your thoughts? It'll be interesting to watch. You know, there's any time you bring a new club team or a new team into a competition, it'll be like the NRL with the Dolphins, there's a lot to get right. And uh, they'll, they'll have a fair learning curve. It's a tough competition. But it's good to see both Jaden and Matty getting a run in respective franchises within the NBL. And I did hear through the week that the Sydney Kings are looking to introduce a game on Christmas Day. I know it's something they do in America, uh, something that's very foreign here, but it'd be an interesting to take to see how that is received by the public. Yeah, well, the owner uh, is actually a mate of mine, Paul Smith. I actually worked with Smithy at the PGA, uh, and he set up Repicom, and he did a lot of his business overseas. Actually, his head office was in New York. So 
I guess the idea has stemmed from uh, what he's seen over many, many years yep. uh, of working in America, the popularity of the Christmas game. I've been fortunate enough to go to one at Madison Square Garden. It's just brilliant to do as a family outing and then you, you know, kick on after that to yeah, celebrate yeah. Christmas. And, and you know what, I think about, you know, traditionally here, the Boxing Day Test match down in Melbourne is such a big and significant thing that I think if we can, if you build it, they will come. Well, that's right. And generally it's around the timing of the game. So if it's a little bit earlier, you still have quite a lot of the Christmas Day to yep. enjoy with your family and close family friends. So it'll be interesting if that gets approved. But uh, good on Smithy for giving it a crack. Yeah. Hey, Musa, will you come back and join us? Because Miko's jumping on uh, just before 10. I'd love you to be a part of that conversation as well. Yeah, I just saw, again, this is so important. So he's the director of coaching here. He's just poking his head in here to have a look at the Aussie hoops. So even though he's coaching at that top level, he's fully engaged with, uh, I guess, the technical skills and the fundamental skills that these kids need at a younger age. So he's a good guy, great appointment by this club. Yeah, this is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. If you've got any thoughts about sport being played on Christmas Day or about LeBron James being ejected for the second time in his career, maybe about Pat Cummins being named the new Australian captain and Tim Payne stepping down. Any thoughts whatsoever, the text line 0477 736 736. Maybe you've got thoughts on the Mariners' first win in the F3 derby with 70-30 possession going against them. Uh, the open line 1300, 42 15, 33. We're off to the news back in just a moment, live from Breakers Indoor Sports Stadium at Terrigal. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, good morning. We're back live from Breakers Indoor Sports Stadium, uh, the basketball stadium, and we're watching Aussie hoops at the moment. Hey, by the way, if you missed any of the earlier interview with Nick Montgomery or Ian Rebilliard a few moments ago, uh, the catch-up podcast, simply go to the SEN app. And if you're listening on the app, you can also hear us on 8.01 a.m. here on the Central Coast. Butes, I think it's time for another standing O. Yeah, yeah. This, this young lady that's just joined us, wow, what a superstar. In fact, recently she played her 100th WBBL match, but she's won premierships with the Sixers and also the Sydney Thunder. So she crossed town and got the job done again. Uh, Lauren Smith has joined us, and that deserves a standing O. Lauren, I don't get up often, I've got to tell you. I do not get up often, but... Because you're here, I better. Hey, you just told me a moment ago that uh, you're feeling old. Welcome to the show. Uh, feeling old because you played your 100th? Yes, feeling old because of that day. Um, yeah, there was a lot of, you know, media around that day and um, it was all about me, which I absolutely loved. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was a pretty good day up at Mackay, nice and hot. Uh, and, yeah, unfortunately we didn't get the win. But, um, yeah, we put on a pretty good show, I think. Are there many girls, women, that have surpassed the 100 games in the... WBBL? Well, there has now, but I was the third, oh, um, so I you. made the podium, so I'm pretty happy about that. Well done. Um, and then I think Alyssa Healy was the fourth, so um, I'm who's, pretty... Who's Alyssa Healy? What is she? <laughs> Not sure what she does. No, yeah. no, she goes okay. She goes okay. Hey, uh, and there was no coin toss. You actually tossed a, a bat up in Mackay, and uh, I love seeing you get to do that. Tell us more. Yeah, um, I actually got told the night before, and I was pretty stoked to do that. I'm not usually the one out there. I'm not the skipper, but I think uh, we're going to try and make it a little 
uh, ritual, like when you hit your 100th game, um, you get to go out and do the bat flip and, you know, kind of uh, make the shots, I think, choose whether to bat or bowl. Heels and, and flats. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, heels and flats. Yeah, I almost yeah. did. In uh, the old days? Yeah. 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 I almost chose heads or tails, and I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, how do you analyse the season? I mean, you guys came in as reigning champions, mm. so give us your thoughts. Yeah, I know. We were, we were coming in with all the teams right on our back. Um, unfortunately, we had a setback there at the start. Rachel Haynes not coming in uh, from the get-go, which was a bit of a bummer. Um, and, yeah, but we had a few new internationals, which was really good to have new faces on our team. But, um, yeah, we just didn't have the kickstart that we wanted. Um, we started on the, off on the back foot, which was, um, yeah, pretty tough. But, um, yeah, we put a good fight off uh, there in the last few games. Yeah, it was obviously one of those seasons where it was a tough, um, with both Sydney teams finishing uh, at the bottom of the table. Yeah, uh, Sixers, the... Sixers really disappointing. Yeah. Buttes yeah, with yeah. their star-studded lineup. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, but uh, this weekend is sees the final. Yep. We've got the Scorchers taking on the Strikers. Strikers have done a great job when you consider, you know, they only had a 7-6 uh, record throughout the season. So mm. a, a good performance for them to get through the finals. They've done really well, the, in particular, the last two games. Yeah, uh, the Strikers, um, I've, I've backed since the get-go. Um, they've just had a really good lineup. They've recruited really well uh, with their internationals. And I know um, that the, the Perth Scorchers were going to be a really tough team as well with their internationals and their domestic plays as well. So I think this final... Uh, over in Perth is going to be an absolute beauty. What's going to be the key? Who's going to be, what's the key? Perth Scorchers, their batting lineup, in particular their top order. Yeah, their top order for sure. Beth, Mooney and uh, Devine are going to be uh, the, the key wickets there up front. Uh, but I think the bowling attack for, for the strikers at the moment is, is on fire. So um, I'm definitely back in the strikers here. Hey, uh, give me your thoughts. Uh, I, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but I think we've seen some of the best batting performances mm-hmm. in mm. WBBL history. Name some names, but there was a girl on your team. Mm. Wow. I mean, it's one of the best knocks I have ever seen in my life. Tell me more. Yes, yeah, Shmini Mandana there at the top, uh, chasing 175 up at Mackay. And, um, yeah, she just took it on the chin and uh, went out there and just, yeah, was hitting boundaries left, right and centre. Um, it was one of the best you know, batting performances that I've ever seen. And I don't know if it's just the left-hander, um, you know, Gene, but, yeah, she's an absolute class The lefties, batter. mate. I'm telling you, the lefties, I don't know what it is, but they have got something. You're right. I think it's just in the gene pool. Like, you think about some of the good left-handers, some of the best strikers I've ever seen, mm-hmm. not only in cricket, but kicking a footy and whatever it is. And golf. Yeah. Golf. Yep. They yeah. just absolutely, you know, Adam Gilchrist, Matt Hayden, right, for starters. Dave Warner, he goes all right, too. He hits the ball pretty well. <laughs> Um, I told you he's a cricket specialist. Yeah, Michael I like, I like cricket. I <laughs> played, like all, played almost 300 NRL games. Hey, um, so would you say that, I mean, this year, I mean, you're a f- sensational bowler, but have you had one of your best years with a bat? Uh, me personally? Yeah. Uh, I think, well, I actually did bring up some of my stats yesterday. I was just looking, and I actually have the fourth best average in the team. Yeah. Um, I, I reckon that's the highest I've ever been. I'm pretty stoked with that by having, you know, Schmitty Mandana in my team and, um, you know, young guns like Phoebe Litchfield. So I think my batting has come a long way. Um, but I think in and around this team, if I'm batting, uh, we're, we're in the well, dumps, well, I think. I think you were there, like, when the tail was wagging. Mm. You were definitely, like, you, you seem to be nuisance value, that's for sure, Yeah. Uh, d- down the order. Yeah, definitely. I think um, my role down the order there with the bat is just a little bit of firepower and, um, getting those, scrapping those few runs there at the end, a little bit of like a 20 off, you know, 10, 10 balls or something like that. So, yeah, I'm a little bit of a pest for, for oppositions. Lauren, outside of the WBBL uh, season, yeah. what happens now 
with your cricketing career? Where do you go to from here? And uh, Yep, so we play for New South Wales Breakers now. So this is the, the domestic comp. Um, so, uh, yeah, WNCL. We go down to Melbourne, I think, um, in two weeks to go and play the Vicks. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a pretty good game against, you know, Elise Perry, uh, Sophie Molyneux, and they have a pretty – Meg Lanning as well. So. Is, is that the Sheffield Shield equivalent of – Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So, but just the 50 over comp. So, we yep. obviously don't uh, play. Um, you don't yeah, play the four day the thing? Four day yeah, gotcha. Stuff. Okay. Yep. So, 50 hey, uh, just on another note, nothing to do with the elite level of the game, but mm. uh, a friend of mine who's been on this show numerous times, captain of the entrance cricket club, Jeff Hemming, he told me something about your mum. Now, mm. does she, like, when it comes to lunch or tea, like, does she do the best the Central Coast has ever seen? I, I think he said one day cricket was washed out but the entrance didn't want to leave the ground because your mum had prepared a feast for all the players. Yes, she is known for uh, the best tea on the Central Coast. Um, yeah, so my brother plays for Narara first grade here, and I think my mum just loves cooking in general. Um, it doesn't have to be an occasion, and she's always in the kitchen just loving it. Hey, so You know what the next question is? Well, the next well, thing. Where well, is she? I nominate, I nominate that we head to one of the cricket venues where Lauren's mum is. Yeah. And maybe it's like a morning tea type thing as opposed yep. to the afternoon or tea. Maybe she could be on the road show with us every Saturday uh, morning. Oh, I'd vote for that well and truly. <laughs> hey, Lauren, uh, you've compiled your best ever 11 yes. that, you've Ooh, played, okay. that you've played with or against. We're off to a break. We'll come back with Lauren Smith's best ever 11 right after this on Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live from Breakers Indoor Sports Stadium and uh, watching the Aussie hoops at the moment. Buttes, this looks like a little free-for-all where... There's players lined up on one side of the court, players lined up on the other, uh, and the coach calls out a couple of numbers, and it's chaos. It's battle to the de- It's like squid games. Yes. Look out. Look out. Uh, yeah. Loving it, too. It's uh, controlled chaos. That's all I know. Uh, look how much fun they're having. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, this is how you grab players when they're young because they're involved in days like this, and they just fall in love with the sport. They've all got their own singlet on with their name on the back, and... Yeah. I love that. A little bit later on today, there's rep. <laughs> what a shot oh. from Benji. Well, he nails it. That was superb. A little, uh, little celebration, too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we're live with Lauren Smith. 100 games in the WBBL. In fact, now 102. Uh, two-time premiership winner. How good does that sound with the Sixers and also the Thunder? Now, you've named your best ever 11 Ooh, that, you played, that you played with or against. Uh, thanks for compiling this list. Uh, Buttes, can you do a drum roll for us? Yeah, good. good. Great sound effects. <laughs> it was like a, uh, a ferry going across Manly. <laughs> All right, Lauren. Uh, and can you give us a few reasons why you chose each player? So at the top of the order. Top of the order, uh, number one is Sophie Devine. Um, not only has she been player of the tournament a few times, um, yeah, just her ball striking. Sometimes you just don't know where you you're gonna where you have to bowl to her. Sometimes you don't want to bowl <laughs> just because she's still in. Um, so I definitely couldn't go past her there uh, being at the top of the order. So um, yeah, she's going to be opening with. Um, I was going to make a late change, but um, I kept with my gut and I kept Alyssa Healy there. Um, yeah, she's absolutely world class. Um, yeah, I played a few seasons with her uh, in Magenta and. 
Um, just some of her hundreds are absolutely classy. Um, yeah. Some of her shots um, just in different areas of the field is uh, unbelievable. And like you um, had to play against the boys as she was growing up? Yeah, so she, she definitely had to. Um, back, yeah, she's a little bit older than me. So, uh, yeah, she kind of grew up with the boys. So I think her ball striking there was, um, yeah, just come from that underage stuff playing against um, the boys then. So. Hey, uh, by the way, what was the late change going to be? Well, I was going to go, uh, I'm go, I was going to drop Mitch and I was going to put Schmitty Mandana there at the top just for the left-hand, right-hand combo. Oh. But um, I think Schmitty Mandana's only played maybe two seasons. So she was down with the Hobart Hurricanes very early doors in 02, I think, um, in 01. So, but Alyssa Healy's been around for the whole seven seven seasons. So um, I kept her in there. Yeah, superstar. Who's, uh, who's first drop? First drop is um, Heather Knight. Um, yeah, England England skipper, played with her last year. She was absolutely world-class with the bat. Um, a genuine person as well. Uh, and Ken Bowl as well. She was a little bit of an um, underdog with the ball in hand uh, as well. So yep. couldn't go past her there at three. Number four Number is four. actually is actually your captain of the team. Yes. Uh, yeah, she's a really great person as well, Rachel Haynes. Um, a, a left-hander. I thought I'd just chuck in um, yeah, lefty there in the... In the top four, um, yeah, obviously last year she struck the ball really well uh, and knows how to lead a team um, in all facets uh, of the game. So, um, yeah, she's definitely going to be the captain of this this almighty squad. And then number five, uh, this person's had an absolute stellar of a season this year. Um, Indian captain, Harman Precor. Um, yeah, some of, some of the times I've bowled to her and, yeah, she's put me over the rope, um, over cover. Um, and over that mid-wicket boundary. So, yeah, she's absolute class batter. Uh, number six, uh, used to captain New Zealand, Susie Bates. Um, I remember back in 04, uh, she, we were playing the final out at Perth and um, she was just, yeah, batting um, amazingly. I think there were none down, chasing 120. Um, there were about maybe 50, 50 for, for nothing, if not many overs and... She definitely could have taken the game away. And, and then just some of her, her little um, right over medium pace is an absolute quality as well. Hey, by the way, what an international flavour to this. Yeah, and, I love and it. it says so much about women's sports. So you've mm. got yeah. uh, Indian captain, New England, Zealand. England captain, uh, yeah. Kiwi as well. Yeah, so beautiful stuff. Keep going. Yep. Um, and then number seven, uh, Australian uh, left arm offie, Sophie Molyneux. Um, she can also strike a ball as well, but... Um, I put her in here in the middle order for her bowling uh, in that power play, maybe opening the bowling as well. Um, and she's been in and around the Big Bash for a few years now, and mm -hmm. she's just getting better and better uh, with her bowling and batting as well. So uh, number eight, this um, leggy, she, she put the sixes um, in a little bit of a twist one time. She got a hat trick, I think, against us, Amelia Kerr. Um, her bowling is just absolutely amazing. Her wronging is just, you cannot pick it. You don't know what you're going to get out of her. Um, and I was really lucky to be down the other end for that hat trick, just watching everyone uh -huh. come out and walk back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's been a few Kiwis here in, in this team. Uh, number nine, Lee Tahuhu. Um, I think it was BBL 04 again. She, um, yeah, kind of took us apart. Um, yeah, her bowling up front, her swing, and she has a kind of a whippy action, so you don't really know um, how quick the ball's going to come down. So I think she'll be great up front. Number 10, I think this is the all-time wicket-taker in the BBL, uh, Molly Strano. Uh, she's meant to be bowling off-spin, but it's it's actually just little away swingers. Um, yeah, and she's absolutely class in the field as well. Um, 
And then number 11, up-and-coming fast bowler for Australia, Darcy Brown, you know, whips it down there at 120. Um, and, yeah, a, a class person as well. So it's a pretty strong yeah, 11. It is a very <laughs> strong lineup. But what I will say is there's some very notable exceptions there. Meg Lanning, not there. I know, yeah. At yep. least Perry. Yeah. Apparently she goes all right as well. So. Yeah, yeah, tell us the reasons why. Um, I think Pez, um, it, I think the commentators also say this um, in and around uh, games strike rate just you know is it's too low yep. takes uh takes up too many balls there at the top of the order um and yeah a little bit too slow for my liking um meg lanning this season especially a little bit up and down with the bat um yeah so absolutely world class but didn't make it i'd like to get your thoughts lauren on pat cummins being uh selected as the australian captain he obviously had a you know, a tough start to his career. He's been around the Australian side, debuted at 18 years of age, but mm-hmm. for the first five years was basically in cotton wool because of injuries, etc. And mm-hmm. I don't think his body sort of adapted to uh, what it took to be at that top level. But mm-hmm. I think we've seen over the last four or five years the type of bowler that he has become and uh, I guess the type of leader he now is. Yeah, I think, yeah, he obviously had a really rough start there with all the injuries and all that kind of stuff. But I did see him in and around uh, the headquarters at Cricket New South Wales, really working hard on, you know, getting fit and strong. Um, And on the mental side as well, I think he uh, brought a few people in and around his... Um, himself to, you know, really support him through those tough times. Um, I know he got uh, engaged, I think, recently, so I think um, he's really happy there away from cricket. Um, so I think he's just in a really good good headspace at the moment, obviously playing really good cricket the last few years for Australia. I think, um, yeah, I think he's yeah in, in top notch for this, this role. And obviously having Steve Smith by him side, his side as well is um, absolute quality as well. So We're talking to Lauren Smith, uh, over 100 games in the WBBL, and such a pleasure to have you with mm. us. Uh, i tell you who I've enjoyed watching this year. Is it Mignon Dupree? Yes. Yep. Wow, what a season she had. Uh, but um, can you just tell us, is it the best time uh, in the history of mankind or humankind to be a female athlete? Yeah, definitely. Not even just in and around cricket. Um, other sports are getting up and about here in Australia. Um, you know, the AFL, um, you know, the, the soccer as well. And Matilda's played later Matilda's on today. Matilda's played today. Yes, yep. they do, against yep. the USA. So I think women's sports just up and coming. Um, there's, it's getting on TV a lot more, um, that, you know, exposure to the world. Um, not even, even just in and around Australia. There's all these international comps coming up as well. You can go over to England and play in there. Um, you know, Big Bash style, uh, Kia Super league and hopefully there's going to be a women's IPL as well that's going to be up and running Mm. in the next two years as well so um, yeah I think it's just a really good time to be in and around sport and I still think I'm young so I think I'm going to be around for a few more years. Yeah Yeah, well we we think a decade. (laughs) She's she's going to be here in in another 10 years hopefully we're still doing this stuff. At the tender (laughs) age of 25 hey we've got around about one minute left Uh, Gary Birkinshaw's just arrived from Central Coast Cricket who does a sensational job what would you like to say about playing locally and it's provided you with a pathway to the top? Uh, I think um, for the girls, just get in and around it, bring as many friends as possible and make sure you just give it a go. Um, I think when I was starting, I was a little bit nervous, obviously not having any friends there. Uh, but in and around this um, you know, era of cricket, there's a lot more girls playing and just, yeah, obviously pick up a bat, pick up the ball and just, just have a crack. Yeah, beautiful. Two-time Premiership winner, over 100 right games on. in the <laughs> WBBL. Uh, we're rising as one, Buttes. 
That okay, means uh, got to get up. That again. means a standing ovation for Lauren Smith. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on everything you've achieved, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Perfect. Thanks for having me, guys. Lauren Smith, how, how, good? Good, is she? how good is she? Fantastic. Uh, I feel like she's been elusive, but I found out I've been texting the wrong number <laughs> for about the last two or three years. Oh, well, that'll happen. Yeah, this is Saturdays on the Coast. We're on our way to the news. We're coming back with the captain of Sydney Olympic, who played Sydney FC earlier this week in the FFA Cup. Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the Coast Tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back live. We're at uh, Breakers Indoor Sports Stadium, Terrigal Basketball Stadium, and we've been watching the Aussie Hoops, and uh, I just see now a legend of this franchise, Chris Olback, is in the house right now, and it's rep trials today, and uh, really looking forward to watching the action. But joining us right now, we mentioned the captain of Sydney Olympic Football Club is here. He's also a Central Coast boy. Uh, it was awesome to see you, Michael Glassick, captaining Sydney Olympic at Belmore Sports Ground in the FFA Cup against Sydney FC. And, wow, you almost pulled off the upset. Yeah, we did, Steve. Um, it was a really good um, performance from us with very limited preparation going into the game. But, um, yeah, look, we, um, we, we went at Sydney and we... You know, left nothing in the tank by the end of it. And, yeah, it was um, a good performance, but unfortunately couldn't get the job done. Yeah, when I said you almost pulled off the upset, and uh, as the buzzer goes off here, uh, you're up 1-0 against the high-flying Sydney FC, and you said off a limited preparation. And good crowd, too, at Belmore to watch the famous club, Sydney Olympic, in action. I, I think they're two-time champions of the league. Yeah, yeah, two-time NSL champions, like a, a, an old powerhouse of Australian football against, you know, one of the powerhouses now in Sydney FC. But, um, you know, the boys, yeah, as I said, went up 1-0. Um, a fellow Central Coast guy, Adam Parkhouse, um, scored the goal um, for us to, to make it 1-0. And I think the, the goal just before halftime really, you know, I guess upset the mood a little bit because, um, you know, we felt like we, we should have gone into the break 1-0 ahead. Yeah, I, I want to talk about uh, during this interview about the hand of God because mm. there's no VAR in the FFA Cup. Uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, look, um, obviously I, I didn't really see too much of it because I was um, trying to, to chase the ball and my back was turned. But, um, you know, we looked at the replay and people in the stands weren't too happy, especially the uh, the Greek supporters. But um, <laughs> look, um, look out, it was World War Three about to start. <laughs> the Greeks were upset. Yeah, let's, let's just um, say there was a few um, explicit language um, said. But, yeah, look... Um, yeah, obviously yeah, they uh, he decided to throw one in, but you know that's just the way it, it went hey, for us on the night. They must love you at Sydney Olympic. Fancy naming you as as captain of the team. How did that come about? Yeah, yeah. Look, um, obviously Ante Yurich uh, um, during last season sort of spoke to me when I just came to the club. I was one of the younger boys, and he was sort of just saying, "Look, I um, I see an opportunity potentially down the track for you to lead and and be a leader in the group." And um, yeah, I. I Basically, this season had a really good sort of build-up into it, and yeah, um, got the got the captaincy called. You know, being one of the younger boys in the squad, and yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Do you have to change your name at all to Glasokovic or something like <laughs> <Yeah>. that? Glasanopoulos. <laughs> Glasanopoulos. That's it. That's the one. Hey, uh, you, you've had a lot to do with Michael. Because, I certainly have, you know, mate. He's played with my son Matt uh, throughout the academy program at the Mariners, and actually, uh, I'm going to touch on because two years ago I went over with Matt to. Uh, Hong Kong, where you were playing over there. How did you find that experience? Yeah, it was an awesome experience. Like, I, I went there just in the, 
the hope of you know professional experience and, mm. and game time. Obviously, when I was at Central Coast, I was on sort of on the fringe, and um, I think that that opportunity to go there was um, yeah really good for me against playing some really top opposition. Mick, you're probably regarded, and I've heard this from experts, probably the best centre back not to be playing in the A League at the moment. How does that sit with you? And you know, you're still young enough to obviously get the opportunity at some stage. I guess the the clubs just need to open their eyes and, and see what you can do. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm, I'm hungry to get the opportunity somewhere. Um, I've just got to keep working hard, especially having a, a, a coach that was a, a centre-back play for Australia as well. That really helps me as well. And getting good game time at a big club like Sydney Olympics really good. But, um, yeah, obviously wanting to push, you know, further on and hopefully the opportunity comes down the track. Yeah, with Butes mentioning about the academy, you must love what Nick Montgomery and the entire staff at the Mariners have done and the way they're pushing some of the academy players through to the top grade. Yeah, especially like, uh, you know, I saw on the weekend young Jacob Farrell um, come in and, and, and gets a goal. And, you know, being a local junior, I think that's only going to help the club um, in, the, in going forward because I think the community, um, you know, connects with, with young local talent that are, you know, hungry and, and determined and not going to take a backward step against, you know, A-League powerhouse. Yeah, like I, I saw another name on the team sheet the other day, uh, Harrison Steele. Also, yep, he got, he got a bit of game time. He's made his debut, which was it's fantastic. Terrible boy. Yeah, he is a terrible boy, and he played in the I think in the same age group as Jacob. So, a couple of those kids. I remember watching these kids come through, and I thought, you know, at the time that three or four of them would go on and, and make the the A League. And um, you know, Harry was certainly one of those kids. Mick, I do want to touch on the fact that you know you're a local junior here, and, and I guess it comes down to timing more so than anything else. And unfortunately for you, you know. At the time, the club weren't really pushing through or, you know, encouraging their local juniors to come through. And unfortunately, you know, the likes of uh, Lockie Wales actually left the club to go uh, down to Melbourne. But, you know, we've seen now the likes of Hatch, uh, Dan Hall. Um, Maxi Ballard. Nesbitt, Farrell, uh, Harry Steele all come through and they've all been through that academy program. So uh, I guess it's a little bit bittersweet for you at the moment. Yeah, a little bit. Like, obviously, you see those boys doing really well, and, and they're still my mates, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's great to see them, you know, performing such a high level. And I knew, um, and, and we knew, you know, you know, years ago that these boys could really make that step up and, and be a, a real, um, I guess, a, a bit of a force, like, coming into the A-League and, and really showing teams that, you know, what, like, we've got great talent on the Central Coast as well, not just from, you know, other parts of, you know, Australia and different things like that. But, um, yeah, look... Um, Obviously, you know, being a local boy, I'll always, you know, follow the club and, and have a, a close affiliation with them. And, um, you know, it's good to see them, you know, performing well thus far in hey, the A-League season. I'll tell you, Michael, that's the ultimate compliment that Buttes gave you, that you regarded as the best centre-back not to be playing in the A-League. Having said that, the two guys that have got the job at the Mariners at the moment, uh, I caught up with one of them yesterday for NBN TV, Ruan Tonyuk. What a colossus that young man is. and. You forget that he's only 24. And then alongside him, Kai Rolls, out of Palm Beach, Corumban Buttes on the ah. uh, on the Gold Coast. Uh, they breed them well up there. Is there anything that... Did you have a soccer career at all when you were oh, younger? Mate, oh, mate, yeah, I played with Palm Beach. What did they call you? Uh, before I became uh, Hangtime Allen in the <laughs> AFL. <laughs> well, and, prior to that. And we could talk about my high school track and field <laughs> career. Well, hey, hey, speaking of track and field, that's a great segue. Well because done. we've got a uh, mystery guest on the line. Uh, he's a two-time world sprint champion. John Wall, are you there, mate? Good morning. 
Johnny, are you there, mate? It sounds like you're on the dark side of the moon. Could you speak to us again? Uh, yeah, barely, barely. But you've got some intel on Michael Glassick as a sprinter and that he could change sports. Mate, he is, he is on the dark side of the moon, Johnny Wall. Yeah, now I can relay this. I got a text message probably about a month ago, and it said, Steve, love your sports show on a Saturday morning, and I've got some intel hot off the press. He said Michael Glassick can run 400 metres in 45 seconds. And I said, this is a G up. That would mean he could run in the Olympic final. <laughs> oh, he's, we've got he's, back. he's got him back. He's... Yeah, tell us the story. Okay, now, look, here's the dilemma, Steve. What? <laughs> I think we've lost John Wall Johnny. again. Yeah, yeah. So there's some kind of dilemma. John, John somewhere in Batter Bay Cafe and the right, connection's John. not too good there. You know that, Michael. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about your <laughs> 400 metres because you are running 46 seconds. You haven't even got spikes on, right? This is, like, ridiculous, the fact that, you know, you're a couple of seconds off possibly pushing for an Olympic spot without any serious training. Yeah, it's um obviously I, I got into it. Um, I, I met John when I was down at Edzac one day, and would, I was just doing some running, you know, individually, um, trying to stay fit and everything. And then, you know, the longer I did it, and I started doing some sprint coaching and um, sprint lessons and and different things, we started to look at my physique, and you know, started doing nabbling at a few few races like you know the hundreds and and two hundreds, and and then we built it up into the four hundred, and um, yeah, I was I think it was a you know, a, a 46 or something like that, a 46.7 or something like that in um, no spikes on grass. So that was, um, you know, quite a good time. But obviously, um, you know, it's still very early days. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the training. Like, it's really good. And I think it's benefiting both in terms of um, my football, um, but also, you know, just having something to, you know, maybe push down later down the track. You never know. Yeah, I tell you, he even sent me a message last night that he would like to see... Maybe you up against the Fox, Josh Adokar, football's yeah. fastest man up against the NR, one of the NRL's fastest men. Apparently, <laughs> Gus calls him the fastest man on earth, Josh Adokar. Yeah, I think the young guy from Manly. So do I, Saab. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He is blistering. I don't know. I see, you know, Michael Butner running the Terry Gilliam some days, and, <laughs> you know, that's that's a bit of a, a bit of speed there. And, and also with this cross-training, you've uh, come across Tyler Gunn, who's uh, already an Australian representative in the 400. So are you anywhere near Tyler, or maybe have you got your nose in front? Oh, I think I'm just a little bit off Tyler at the moment. Um, Tyler's been, you know, obviously you know, doing the sport for a long time. So um, I think he's just in front at the moment. Um, he's doing a really good job. Um, I think he's competing today in, in Maitland or, or something like that. So, you know, Tyler's, um, you know, got a great work ethic. He's, he's doing real well. And, um, you know, just seeing him down the track, you can see that he's, he's really pushing hard oh, for hopefully a Commonwealth yeah, Games. He's a, the they're a terrific family. And his young sister, Katie, uh, is, a, is great at long She's jump. a gun as well. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yes, correct. Um, <laughs> mate, is it something that you would seriously consider? Because if you're running those sort of times, like you've got to go, okay, where's this balance at? Because for me, I look at it and I go, anybody that gets to go to the Olympics is and, you know, becomes an Olympian is actually in that top echelon of athletes for mine. Like it's just the pedestal that I cannot fathom. But it would absolutely blow me away to think that you've done very little training um, and I know, that, you know, when you were younger, you competed in the 800 and 1500 metres. But 
it's just an indication of you know the, the athlete that you are. Hey, Michael, before you answer it, I think we may have solved the issue with uh, the sprint champion, world champion, John Wall. Are you there, mate? And could he go yeah, to the Olympics? Can, can you hear me? Look, definitely, Steve. Michael is one of these amazing human beings who, with uh, the great gift of, of uh, ability that he has, he can actually excel in almost any sport that you can care to name. He's, he's a great cricket player. He, he's a super soccer player. And now, out of the blue, he comes out and he punches out training times that would knock the stock off most people. And having said, uh, I hear you speaking about Tyler Gunn. Tyler Gunn is a brilliant young athlete, no question. And Michael Zister, who is his coach, has been working slowly and surely to bring him up to absolute peak performance. And I think this Sunday he's meant to be running in Maitland. I think Michael brought it up as Saturday, but I think it is actually Sunday. Uh, so, you know, he's got some great competition, but it shows you the level of talent that exists up on the Central Coast. We are just blessed with certainly the, the climate, the, the conditions, the talent itself that exists here you know, on many, 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 many levels of sport. But one of the things that I think uh, in terms of, you know, is Michael Glasser capable of running in the Olympic, of making the Olympic team? The answer to that is unequivocally yes. He is capable, but he has to balance up, in, in my mind, uh, with all respect to his abilities, where the money lies. He's a young man. He's, he's got a, a huge future ahead of him, but money is very, very important in your 20s. Uh, You've got to start uh, building. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of Jerry Maguire about yeah, this. Yeah. Just show us the money. <laughs> well, hey, would, you say, would you be the fastest man on the planet running 400 with a soccer ball? Ah, oh, definitely not, probably. <laughs> probably definitely not. But, you know, I'm a bit of gazelle, maybe. I drive the ball in the space, but, um, yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah, well, it was such a pleasure having you on. And, uh, John Wall, uh, last time you joined us, you were talking about the proposed indoor athletics centre at the north end of the coast around Warnervale on a day yeah. like this where track and field would be a you know, washout. Oh, yeah. We'd, yeah. Be, we'd be nice and snug and warm watching high jump and 400, mm. 800, 1500 in an indoor Absolutely. athletic centre, the only one of its kind in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, and why haven't we got it in on Central Coast? Come on, guys. Get with the plan. This is the, with the biggest opportunity that this part of the world will ever see. It will bring the world to the Central Coast. Listen up, politicians. Listen up, financiers. This is the biggest golden opportunity that could be we can face in terms of producing sport for the whole community and for our elite athletes. And we've just spoken about it. We've got great potential on the Central Coast, and we're producing the top-flight athletes, including Michael Glassick. If, uh, if fate has it and he keeps training with, uh, with athletics, he is destined for wearing the green and gold. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. John Wall, thank you. Well done, uh, Michael Glassiopoulos, a.k.a. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Glassic. Uh, thanks so much. Congratulations with Sydney Olympic. I know Butes wanted to just ask one final question about your season. Uh, when does the MPL get cracking? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in late February, so we'll um, have a little bit of a break now just before um, yeah Christmas and um, get back to it in hopefully the new year and, um, yeah, hopefully a big season ahead, obviously really good the other night but um hopefully we can 
you know, go go back and, and, and be better in the uh, 2022 season. Yeah, great to see you, mate. We'll catch up for uh, NBN TV in the next couple of days. Uh, Gary Birkinshaw is next, joining us live on site. We'll talk some local cricket. Uh, and also, Burko's got some strong opinions on the Australian setup at the moment. And then we'll talk about the Matildas up against the USA later on today in Sydney. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN. BJ Howes Metalland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back live to Breakers Indoor Sports Stadium. Uh, Taya Butes, can you share some thoughts here? I bet you these young ladies, it's it's rep tryouts. Chris Olback is putting them through their paces. Matty Penn is there, who went to college in the U.S. Yep. and was uh, an Australian junior rep. But there'd be some nerves there, for sure. How nervous would they be? Oh, no doubt. Like you'd, The thing about basketball is you've, it's limited position. You've got five on the uh, court at any one time, probably five reserves. So we've probably got about 30-odd young girls here who are all striving for those rep positions. And they're, they're getting pushed through their paces at the moment. Uh, no doubt there's nerves. One thing I do tell my boys when it comes to trials is that, A, you've got to uh, stand out. B, it's not always, it doesn't matter whether you make or do or don't make the side because the coach might see something different in you. It doesn't mean you're a worse player for not making the side. Yeah. It's just that it's not your time right uh, now. For a second there, I, I was sure there wasn't going to be a B. No, no, there's a B. There was a, it was a massive pregnant pause between A and B. I think hey, it's, it's anticipation. I'll tell you what else I love here. So I'm seeing a, a Lakers singlet. I've seen a Steph Curry shirt there. Yeah. So, you know, the girls just absolutely loving this. And, gee, you can hear Chris Olback. He's a championship-winning coach with this franchise, barking out the orders. Hey, Michael Glassick's still here, and we got a text from uh, one of our listeners. In fact, the captain of the entrance cricket club, Jeff Hemming. Is that the bloke that you left on hold last <laughs> week? For three hours. <laughs> Completely forgot that he was on the air. Yeah, great bloke, Hemo. Thanks, Jeff, for sticking by. Yeah, and Hemo says, Michael Glassick, apart from maybe going to the Olympics as a 400-metre runner, could still play rep cricket locally and also says that uh, you should see him go at 3 a.m. on the karaoke. And I have seen him go at 3 a.m. at karaoke <laughs> in Hong Kong, and it was... A sight to behold. All right, let's focus. Gary Birkinshaw, <laughs> let's gra- focus. Gra- great to see you, my friend. Uh, can you give us an update? It's a washout this weekend, but who's starred so far in the men's and women's in Central Coast cricket? Yeah, go, Steve, Mike. Great to be back here. And uh, just mentioned about Michael. It was good to see him here and definitely could certainly be playing rep cricket. He, had his, he actually represented the Central Coast at Colts before he obviously moved on to track and field and, uh, and soccer. So he could be doing uh, any sport he wants to. So great to see him here. And, Look, it's been a big start. We've had one-day competition so far. We've had five rounds in, and uh, Wilds, they've been the real, probably not so much surprise pack, but they didn't make the finals last year, and they've uh, they've really streeted the field at the moment, and um, they've unbeaten. They picked up three bonus points out of their five wins so far, mm. so they've done really, really well. You know I like to name names. Uh, give it to us from the Wyong Club. Yeah, look, Hayden Murphy's been sensational as their captain. Uh, they've, he's done really well. He leads from the front, but also with the bat through the middle order. They, they've been able to lose early wickets, but he's still been able to uh, to come through and save them. And, and Caleb Daly, he's, he's the leading wicket-taker in the competition also, and he's been able to come in and, and really at the death. And the win they had last week against Terrigal was, was quite amazing, really. Terrigal needed six runs to win off the last two overs, five wickets in hand, and, oh. and, and actually got beat. So, wow. yeah, Caleb Daly, come on. They took two run-outs in the last over and were able to get the points. So... 
I think that probably sums up why on season so far. If they've been able to get over the line and win games, we're probably at stages they've been three for 11 but still been able to win. Yeah. So their depth is really, really good. Okay, that's a, that's a good indication that, like, you know, to be able to do that with two overs to go and, and still get the victory. Okay, so yeah. Wyong on fire. What about some of the regular powerhouses like Lizaro and the entrance? The entrance yeah, yeah the, the Lizaro are really struggling at the moment. They've got a really rebuilding year. They've got a, a young side, a few new new players into the into the competition in their club. But the entrance, they've probably been a slow starters, but always, always normally are slow starters. Uh, Two-day cricket really suits them, and that was supposed to start today. So even last year, they didn't make the one-day final, but really come through to the four in the two-day cricket. Terrigal Matcham, they're the other side that they made the final in all three um, competitions last year. They're there and thereabouts, and they think they'd be in the running there to make a, uh, a finals berth. Virgo, no cricket, no local cricket, obviously, due to the conditions this weekend. Uh, we've had big news this uh, week in relation to Patrick Cummings being, or Patrick Cummings, Pat Cummings being announced as the Australian cricket captain. Steve Smith, vice captain, your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, a big week in Australian cricket, and uh, look, congratulations to Pat Cummings on mm. being announced as captain. I think. Realistically, it was just a matter of elimination. I don't think they could have given it to anybody else. If they weren't going to give it to Steve Smith following South Africa and the band he had there and, and David Warner also, I don't think there's anyone else there um, who, who actually could have taken the, the role. He was vice-captain. When they named him vice-captain, it was obviously that, you know, that he was probably going to be the next. And the interesting thing is, Butch, the way cricket's set up now around the world is that Players don't get an opportunity to develop any leadership skills. Mm. They don't. They don't captain their state side because because they They're don't play there. enough state cricket. They don't yep. play club cricket. So Pat Cummings, I think, in his whole life has captained two 50-over games for New South Wales two years ago. So. If they're, if they're not captaining at, at elite level, how do they get that experience? And my biggest concern with Pat Cummins is, apart from he's a bowler, yep. is that is that he's got no experience as captain. And when things get tough, which they're going to do in the Ashes against England, yeah, yeah. where's he actually go to? You've got Steve Smith there, but he's still the one making the call. I, I think the big thing about this, and he's the second fast bowler to captain Australia, Ray Linwall, uh, captain back in the 50s, I think it was. Um, but it was only a one, one-off one test. Hey, hey, hey. Is this the buttes we all know and love? Mate, I know well, my well, research. It's cricket, mate. It's cricket. Well, where's cricket. this coming from? Oh, we need to do a DNA test. Google search. It's amazing <laughs> what it can produce. Keep going, buttes. But this what is I, great. What I will say is uh, he's got a great backup in Steve Smith. And, you know, we know what Steve Smith is capable of as a captain because we've seen it before. Um, apart from that Sandgate incident and whatever else, um, you know what? He's done his time. He deserves redemption, and and I did read online that Pat Cummins is not um, in a position or is not silly enough to think that he's not going to be calling on Steve Smith when it does get tough. When he, you know what, when he's on his sixth or seventh over and absolutely exhausted, he's not going to be having to make all those big decisions because he's got a guy like Steve Smith who knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, you're dead right there, Bill. The only thing that you, you look at that though is that. Everyone now is going to be watching Steve Smith like a hawk. And if Steve Smith might make a, a fielding change, and Pat Cummings, may, as he's come out and said, well, he can go and do that. But all of a sudden, the scrutiny is going to be on Steve Smith. They're going to be saying, oh, look, Steve Smith taking over from Pat Cummings and wants to run the show. That's, yeah, yeah. that's, where, that's, that's where the scrutiny is going to come in. I'm sure that those two could work together seamlessly. There's no trouble at all about that. But the scrutiny that's always going to be under is that Steve Smith, oh, you know, he is taking over. Yep. Hey, the- boys, uh, last week I heard the... And sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 don't be sorry. Last week I listened to the ABC and I heard the press conference from Cricket Australia. They went around the nation. I think it was via Zoom or Microsoft Teams. Do you think it's been handled well, the Tim Payne saga? I'll start with you, Buttes. Oh, no, I don't. I think it's horrible. 
horrible, horrible the way the whole thing has played out. The fact that this thing incident occurred four years ago, the fact that his family and his wife um, had dealt with it and put it behind them, and now it's reared its ugly head again for no other reason apart from the fact that someone in the media felt that everybody needed to know about it. You know what? I didn't care about it. I think Tim Payne, Tim Payne has done an amazing job as an Australian captain, and I feel that at the moment he's just been made a scapegoat, unfortunately, and was basically told by Cricket Australia, mate, you either go out with dignity and jump at the moment, or unfortunately we're going to have to push you out. So, uh, and again, I don't know whether that's fact or not, but you know what, reading between the lines, I just think it's absolutely disgraceful that this has reared its head again. Virgo? Yeah, look, I, I totally agree with you. And not, yeah, and not underlining that the, the incident that occurred, that yeah, we don't condone that anyway. That, no, that, of course that's not. not. That. But, no, no. but this is the same body who forced him out, like I'll, I'll say they forced him out, that appointed him as captain, knowing full well what that had occurred. When he was appointed captain, yep. they, they knew all about it, went through the code of conduct. So the circumstances have not changed now to what they were four years when they needed a captain. They needed someone out there to try and be the person to steady the ship after the South African debacle. Yes. And he was the man to do that. Now, all of a sudden, we think because he's... 35 or however years of ages, it's easy now. He's, he's probably dispensable, so we'll get rid of him. It makes it easy for him. How, uh, how many times during the press conference did they blame the previous board? Well, you can blame the previous board. There are people on that board, though, who were part of the previous okay, board, correct. so they've thrown them under the bus as well. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah. And, and you know what? Did they do such a bad job of addressing the issue? Right. What more could they done? They went through their code of conduct. It got passed through the code of conduct. Exactly right. It got settled between yeah, Tim. Tim and his, his his wife got over it. And cricket Tasmania were right in what they said today. They were during the week. They were scathing, scathing. cricket Australia because it, it made them look like that they've swept it under the carpet, which they didn't. It went through an independent process. I think it was Sean Carroll. You can't get any more honest person than Sean Carroll. He actually led the investigation. Yeah. And, yeah. Beautiful job, boys. Well done. Good summary. Who, um, com- who comes in? Who comes in as a wicketkeeper now? Oh, it's got to be Alex Carey. He's, yeah. done, he's done the apprenticeship. He's, it's got to be him. I agree uh, with that. Let me ask you a couple of quick final questions, and this is just back to local cricket. We had Lauren Smith. What a, a breath of fresh air, ray of sunshine, and stellar career with over 100 games in the WBBL. But the next generation on their way through, did we name uh, some under-16 girls this week? We've got a big week of we've got a big week of, um, of female cricket. So next next Friday night and Saturday, we've got the uh, female uh, regional bash, uh, New South Wales Country Championships being held at Tugra, and then in December we named our under 16 side that's going to play in the under 16s Country Championship. And being to Lawrence, she's fantastic. She does so much for Central Coast cricket. She's an icon for all the the female girls. Yep. They always look up up to Lauren. She's always at local cricket. She, she's brilliant and. We've got some unbelievable female talent coming through. And was there a young player from Terrigal that's been named, was it an Australian squad through the week? Yeah, Nick yeah. Tui. Oh, I thought yeah. you were giving me a puzzled look there. Yeah, no, no, no. Nick Tui's been named in the a 37-man squad that's uh, preparing for the Under-19s World Cup. I think it's in the wow. West Indies. So it's, it's, a, it's a big squad. But um, he's certainly in the mix there. Yeah. He's, a, he's another really what's good he, young what, What's he bowler? Very better? quick bowler. Very, Very fast. Quick. He's the fastest bowler on the coast. And, yeah, wow. and a, you know, a great family and a great, uh, a great person as well. And he come up through through the, the Central Coast Juniors. Yeah, fantastic job. Uh, gee, it's great to see you. Gary Birkinshaw in the flesh because normally it's Saturday's golfing day and 
Yeah, we're at the kind of bottom of your priorities. Mate, you're high at my priorities. Look, I probably would have shot five or six hundred today, but it was just a bit wet. But <laughs> no, I'd much rather be in here, gentlemen. I really love, love coming in here. It's great to catch up with Michael still sitting here as well. It's uh, great to catch up. Yeah, we'll take a quick break. We're off to the news. We'll talk the Matildas versus the USA next. Gabby Blanche joining us, the assistant at the Central Coast Mariners women's football team. That's right after this on SEN. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Breakers Indoor Country Club uh, Sports Stadium. And, gee, I tell you, Buttes, what a great call by you. We were, going, oh. we were thinking Gosford Sailing Club on the beautiful back deck there. We would have been blown away, my friend. Yeah. Uh, got some intel that there were going to be howling southerly winds and strong rain, and uh, it's been fantastic to come back here. And the rep trials continue. So the young girls in action here. And Pete, uh, Pete gave us some intel a moment ago. He was watching the rep trials. Uh, grab a mic, Pete. And uh, you said that you noticed one thing about the passing drill. What did you see? Uh, I'll just throw that on. There we go. It was interesting to see that there was a... Bounce the ball to the middle of the court, turn around, and then two-handed pass to the next pl- player on the side of the court. Nearly all the girls were hitting the next player in the chest. Then the next drill, the girls had to do a one-handed pass to the uh, next player on the side of the court, and it was all it was very difficult. They, just that one two-handed to the one-handed pass became incredibly mm, difficult so to do at speed with accuracy. Yeah, so Buttes, uh, like rugby league, uh, passing to one side of the field, passing the other side. Very, very important, and it's a skill that's very underestimated. And I'm glad they're actually taking the time to spend focusing on these basic skills because it's something you do so often in a game that we just take for granted that, you know, it just happens and happens and happens. But it's so important to get that accuracy right because, you know, there's so many components that lead to, you know, efficiency in the game and being able to get a crisper pass or moving forward or whatever it may be, it just adds so much, uh, so, uh, such a great dimension yeah. to your game. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're about to go to uh, Gabby Blanche, uh, the assistant with the Mariners women's mm. football team. And Gabby, I guess uh, I remember that, I remember when Daniel McBreen was at the football club, he said that Anthony Caceres had the best feet at the football club. So with his ball, at the, with the ball at the feet, oh, it wasn't because he'd been to the pedicure. Nah, he, he no, he was he was the best in the football club. What are the little things you're looking for with players that separate them from the rest? Um, probably the the little things that are the most important is off the ball awareness. I think um, that way, you know, knowing the space that's around you, so that when you do get on the ball, is um, something that you see the really really good players do. Um, and make all the difference once they are on the ball. Yeah, great answer. And I think Wayne Gretzky said that. He yeah. travels to where the puck's going to be, not where it's been. Yeah, and I think the other Absolutely. thing, Gabby, it's about, it's about having those eyes up and, and that vision to see rather than head down or just focusing on your opponent or where the ball is. It's having that uh, peripheral vision to be able to look around and see what's going on around the field. Hey, uh, Gabby, it's uh, such a pleasure to have you on because the countdown is on. Are you, are you pumped for Matildas versus the USA. And I sent you a message earlier this morning. Can you believe our record against them? We've had one win in 31 games against the USA. Yeah, look, I'm absolutely pumped. It's a perfect day to be lounging around and watching a bit of football. Um, and, yeah, the, the statistics probably don't go our way, but I, I think coming into this game, we've probably got the strongest mix of players 
for such a, a, um, a fixture. So I think it's going to be a really solid game of football. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Australia going to this game ranked 11th in the world. The uh, US clearly number one in the world and have been so for quite some time now. Um, mm. It's a big game for the Aussies and I believe the coach has gone down the path of this being a preview or preparation like it's going to be the World Cup final. Mm. Yeah, it's probably a, a fair statement. I think um, our ranking probably doesn't really, uh, you know, show how we're playing football at the moment. Um, and we're only going to get better as we come in, come in towards the World Cup, as we know. And I think looking at the youth that he's now blooding in and, and giving them the opportunity for the minutes on the pitch um, means that come 2023, we'll be really strong. We'll be firing. Uh, Gabby, after our game against Brazil or our two games, which uh, I absolutely loved. Do you feel like we've improved since we met the USA at the Tokyo Olympics? I really do. I think the introduction of the younger girls that have come in and have been playing regular minutes has just changed the way that we play the game. Um, and the, the experience that we have in the, with the likes of Ellie and, and Steph Catley, um, you know, obviously complement what the girls are bringing that are new to the squad. But I just feel like we're playing a, a new and, and more exciting style of football. We've seen Sam Kerr and, um, you know, absolutely, you know, kill it in the uh, over in England there for Chelsea. And her performances mm. have been outstanding. And, you know, she's clearly a world-class player. In fact, nominated this week for uh, the top award amongst the female players in the world. Um, there's question marks over whether she'll play today or she hasn't trained with the squad as such or been doing her own training uh, away from the squad. Uh, any intel there, Gabby, on um, how, the, how the makeup of the squad will look? Um, and I think, you know, for Australia to have any sort of hope, uh, Sam Kerr needs to be available. Yeah, I've been watching closely for the starting 11 and they haven't put anything out yet, unfortunately. I, I did also hear word that um, she hadn't been involved in the, in the lead-up prep. Um, so I'm not sure. Look, I think even if it is that Sammy doesn't get it the start, um, I do think the depth that we've got will still be able to do a solid job and it would be great to see Sammy get in there and, and you know, potentially score the one more goal to be on par with Timmy. But, um, yeah, I'm just not sure at this stage whether she'll be included or not. And while, while Steve I talked about the fact that, you know, they've met on 31 occasions, it's only been the one win. It's been in the last five mm. games that Australia did pick up that victory. Uh, also had two draws within that time, and, and the U.S. have had two victories. So uh, we're certainly getting a lot closer, and the pressure is certainly on the Americans this time around. Agreed. And look, America have brought a, a really strong squad over, so there's no doubt the class that they'll provide today on the pitch and on Tuesday. But, yeah, look, I'm pretty confident that we'll, we'll really give them a run for their money today. Uh, Gabby, who else... Like, my new favourite player is Mary Fowler, but w what about for you? Like... Who are the girls that you're finding super exciting? Some of them have come out of our own domestic league. Um, mm. I love Ellie Carpenter, of course. I think mm. she's, got, she's got probably a quarter of a million followers. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, what about for you as someone who's at the coalface? Oh, look, Mary, undeniably, she's a special player and she's going to go a long way. I think... Um, 
I, I, Courtney Nevin is one to watch for me. I, I've watched her probably over the last two or three W League campaigns and she's special. Uh, and I think she brings a lot to the team. Um, Claire Wheeler as well. She's playing some good football. And again, watching her progress throughout the W League um, seasons within the last few years to now getting a spot in, in the Matildas uh, extended squad. I think the likes of those girls are really where the the depth is coming from in this squad and um, and we'll start to see the, them making the difference over the next few years. Gabby, with your coaching hat on, what's your final instructions to the Aussies as they head out uh, to take on the US? Be aggressive. Just go at them. I think it's, the best football we play is aggressive football and I think there's nothing like being stunned. The first touch that you have on the ball, if someone's coming at you aggressively, it's really hard to settle into the football match. So I'd, I'd definitely be um, providing that instruction before they take the pitch. Hey, let's not forget too that there's, the, there's a return leg that's being played at McDonald Jones Stadium. Yes. And they were hoping... I mean, it's a real shame for the weather because they were hoping they could break the record for the Matildas, which is just over 33,000. Can I ask you one more question, Gabby, this morning? From a coaching perspective, they look really settled and comfortable with Tony Gustafsson. Are you seeing something that you love about his coaching style or give us some kind of analysis? Yeah, look, I, I think in early on I was a bit of a sceptic, probably like many of us, but he's, he really has come in and seemed to have built a, a really nice rapport with the girls and they seem to respect him and, and really like him. He's quite a character on, on the sideline, as we, we've seen, and um, he certainly brought something different. I, I can't really pinpoint what it is or articulate what that is, but we're playing different football. The girls seem to really like him and respect him, and that's huge in, in women's football when it comes to coaching. Um, and, yeah, I'm excited to see how things play out over the next few years. Hey, I tell you, give us your analysis, Butte, of Gabby Blanche. I think she's just cemented herself as a regular every Saturday morning. You bet she has, <laughs> and, you know, with so much stuff going on in women's sport, then why not? Yeah. Well, we're warming the seat for you, Gabby. You're going to be a regular fixture from now on. Our people will talk to your people. We'll do some kind of deal, <laughs> or Butte's people will talk to your people. And uh, thanks again. Great to have you on the show this morning. Lovely to chat with you both. Thanks, guys. Gabby Blanche, the assistant coach with the Mariners women's football team. We've got our own franchise here in 2023. Off to our final break of the morning. We're back with the man we like to call Big Daddy. Ian Moose Rebilliard live from Terrigal Basketball Stadium or Breakers Indoor Sports Complex right after this. BJ Howes Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track. Yeah, welcome back for our final break, and it's been a fantastic wow. morning. I, I tell you what I love, Butes. I love the banners here. So 2004 yeah. Women's Champions, 2009 Women's Champions, 2009 Youth Men Champions, 2011, 2013, 2016, 2018, 2019. Waratah won youth men. Wow, I tell you, that that team was chock-a-block. In fact, after they won, a lot of the boys jumped straight on a plane and went to the U.S. to college, just like the lady alongside Ian Moose-Rebilliard. Moose, uh, give us a little bio on Maddie Penn. Well, very fortunate to be here with Maddie. Obviously, she was a Central Coast Rebel junior, came through the development ranks as an Australian junior Player played in Australian titles, many uh, graduated to uh, to the US college system, and I only found out 
this morning she's helping Chris Olback in the under 12 uh, rep program and and I just think that is so very special for the club and for the for the young girls that'll uh, be under her tutelage. Yeah, what a pleasure oh, to see you, Maddie. Well and uh, you've got the uh, Virginia Tech basketball hoodie on. Um, tell us about being at a college. And I know firsthand because of my son how huge it is. But Virginia Tech, what a school they are, particularly in football. But what about basketball? Yeah, no, thank you for the accolades there, Moose. Really nice introduction. Yeah, it was a fantastic opportunity. There was another New South Wales basketball player, Vanessa Panousis, uh, in my age group. Her and I got shipped off to college there. And um, it was just, it was phenomenal. The the amount of, the, I mean, the opportunity, the amount of money or the things that we got given, um, the coaching, the tutelage, it was awesome. For someone coming from a small town, or Avoca Beach, it was a uh, it was a bit overwhelming, but it was really fantastic. And the experience would have been amazing. What were you studying over there? I was studying sociology. So I had a four-year scholarship, but I only ended up doing a year and a half. Yep. Came home early. and um, But, yeah, very grateful for the time. And I was what was there. the reason for coming home? Was it just, you just I don't know, circumstances, injuries? Yeah, no. Uh, I'd say I came home due to mental health reasons. Yep. Um, and I was really glad that I got to got to be given the opportunity to come home and yep. then work on that and then further basketball after that. Yeah, yeah. it is hard to finish. Uh, like yeah, Corey, Corey did imagine. two years and we'd probably blame the Aussie dollar at the time. <laughs> I think it was around 63 cents. Yeah. Uh, but uh, otherwise, he would have loved to have graduated from USC. Hey, uh, just tell us, um, so did you have to send a basketball video to colleges and is that how people found out about you? No, so uh, I think a lot of scouts come over when, when there's national championships on. I was very fortunate enough to have a coach with the New South Wales Institute of Sport. He, uh, his name was Damien Cotter. I think he's coaching for Brooklyn Nets at the moment. Mm. Uh, he, yeah, he was a fantastic coach, fantastic, I uh, guess, role model, uh, and he had contacts at Virginia Tech, so I just was lucky enough to get, I guess, funneled that way. Uh, apart from your involvement here, what other involvement have you had in the sport of basketball since getting back? <laughs> Not much at all. No? Um, I was really honoured to be asked to do this with Chris. I'd love to give back to a place that gave me so much. So other than this, uh, not much involvement with basketball. I've recently yeah. retired, so well, I was scared to get back into it. What about some of the highlights on the court at, at Virginia Tech? And sometimes it's not even when you're on the court. It's because you're part of the travelling group. And, uh, you know, you just see the enormity of what the sport means. Yeah, enormous. And uh, some highlights I couldn't even remember. It was so long ago. I think it was nearly seven, eight years ago now. Uh, but some of the things I really enjoyed doing while I was there was just shooting three-pointers from very far away. That was my favourite thing to do, so those are the highlights. Would you encourage other young girls to take that opportunity for presented itself to, to go overseas and to go down that college system? Yeah, for sure. I'd encourage anyone to take uh, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity like that. We've been uh, really fortunate this morning. We had Lauren Smith join us. Uh, we just spoke to Gabby Blanche a moment ago about the Matildas. So Lauren Smith's WBBL cricket. And you just think... What a time it is for female athletes. Uh, you know, mm. in fact, if you look at the Tokyo Olympics, our superstars were our women. How do you feel at the moment, Maddie, about where women's sport is situated? It's really exciting. Uh, I've since retiring from basketball, I've really got into surfing and seeing and having role models that aren't even that much older than me, like Stephanie Gilmore, for example. It's a really exciting time. We're on the brink of something big, uh, and so we should be. Hey, uh, what's your analysis of the young girls? Like, where are they at compared to, like, look at the numbers here. They've all got, I mentioned earlier, Golden State Warriors shirts. They've got Lakers shirts on. LeBron singlet is out there. Uh, you know, so they've really embraced the sport at this level. 
No, it's exciting. I think we need to see more WNBL and WNBA jerseys out there. But um, that will come. Yeah, and that's an interesting point you made because there's obviously a, a big... It's a big competition over there. WNBA has proven to be such a massive... And we've seen how successful the Aussies have been in basketball, which, again, is great to see. And I guess it just continues on the tradition. How have you seen the game change over the last... You know, since you were at college and, and to where it is now? I'd just say the exposure and um, the... Yeah, the understanding that it needs to be bigger for younger girls. We need more role models. Um, and society's kind of shifting around that, which is nice too. Yeah, beautiful. So nice to see you, Maddie. We're about to get the wind-up from our producer. Might just hand the mic to Ian Moose-Rebilliard. On behalf of uh, our sports show, everyone at the SEN team, thanks so much for having us on this Saturday morning. Well, just say it's great. You know, it's a fantastic guest to have on the show last because I know Minister Ward in sport has a real focus on female sport and the participation level of young girls so to have someone like Maddie as a role model for these young girls in the under 12 rep side they don't know how lucky they are. Hey uh, thanks to Pete our technician thanks to Adam Staples back at headquarters Uh, by the way I'll be calling the Sydney FC game tonight in the A-League. Well mate if it's anything like you dished up earlier it's I can't wait to hear it. Yeah up against MacArthur that game being played at Cogra. Thanks to the entire team. Don't forget about the catch-up podcast you can get that on the SEN app and we'll see you next Saturday. Saturday's on the coast on SEN.